Well, we are glad each and every one of you are here this morning, and it's a good crowd here. It's changing. Uh, it's better on the throat today. Uh, if I'm trying not to mumble today, because you know, I appreciate your prayers this week. If I had um, jaw work done and two pulls in my sinus off and crazy stuff. So I felt like I got punched in the face and sore, and I don't talk a lot, so that means Shane is really upset that I don't talk much, right? Um, but I want to share with you some thoughts today about Fear Not. This is our last, uh, our final week of our Fear Not series of sermons. You know, we've covered a lot of ground and worked through some challenging ideas, and you know, maybe the idea that we can be victorious against the fears in our lives. You know, when you think about the other flip side, the other side of victory uh, is one that many of us have experienced. We call it the feet of discouragement many times. I don't know if you felt that way this week at all. I have a couple times with some things that happened that just frustrated, discouraged, and defeated. And I'm thinking, okay, God, and I'm preaching about this Sunday, and look what's going on in my life. Well, I think it's a good teaching moment for me as well, for all of us. Um, the reality is that when you and I share that journey of becoming more and more like Christ, growing in Him, learning more about Him, developing that, that holiness within us that, that only He gives as we become more and more like Him, as we grow in our faith, and then we fail. And does that mean that we're beyond redemption? Certainly not. It means we're human. God still loves us, He still uses us, He still wants us to be there. You know, God has sent His one and only Son to redeem the world that we have eternal life from Him. And He knew that you and I could not do that on our own righteousness or even follow the rules of the law that were set up in the Old Testament. They were the school teacher. They were to show us what, what perfection was to be in order to meet the standards of what God required. And no one could do it except Jesus Christ. And that's why He died in our place. There are times that you and I will experience defeat and discouragement. There are other times we'll experience meaningful growth and depth to our faith and a peace that passes understanding and we'll say, wow. This journey that we are on as Christians that, that leads to that Christ-likeness, it, it, it ebbs and it flows in and out of our lives in such a way that we know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Jesus is the same in every situation and circumstance that you and I face this year. He's there for us. He cares about us. He watches over us. He loves us. As the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think about that. We live in a world which we don't know what if things are going to happen. We don't know how the snow is going to come. We don't know what this is going to be like. We don't know what the weather's going to do. We don't know what our, our world's going to look like. We are living in a time of a lot of people, a time of trying to find something different, uh, whatever normal looks like. Right now, as we try to figure out how we work through this pandemic, how we work through the changes in our world around us, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always with us on our journey, and remember, remember this, and this is the whole key for us today, is you are not alone. You're not alone. You know, we've considered some practical ways through this series of messages, uh, of how to deal with healthy and unhealthy fear. Um, we've talked about recognizing the unhealthy fear of giving it back to God. We know that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of peace and understanding. Now remember, when we give it back to God, we realize that fear has its proper place in the hands of God. 
And then last week we talked about a simple thing of focusing one day at a time as followers of Christ, we are called to be focused on today. Those are things that we should do. Focus on where we are today. Well, today, as here in church, what are we going to focus on? Well, you know, those compelling habits that you and I can develop, if we throw in that spirit of self-discipline, we might sometimes think that we're invincible, and that's why we feel anything but that when we fail. God comes and he reminds us that we're not alone. God comes to each and every one of us and reminds us that we are not alone. As I processed that in my head, I thought, okay, where can I think of something in the Old Testament for disillusionment, discouragement? There's all kinds of stuff. But that's a true statement that we're not alone ever. It's got to show up in the early part of the Bible too, right? Immediately, my mind went to Joshua and the Promised Land. And remember, God chose Joshua to succeed Moses in leadership. He was going to lead God's people in the Promised Land. They'd been wandering the wilderness for 40 years. Joshua and Caleb had said, yeah, we can go take those spies. They went into the spies. The land is ours because God has promised the other kids that over and over like grasshoppers in their sight. <clears throat> Giants are there. Oh, we can't go in. And so when they did that, they couldn't go. For 40 years they wandered around because Moses struck a rock. Instead of speaking to it, God says, you don't need to go. But I will let you see what it looks like. You remember the old song from Mount Pisces, Lofty Heights? You know what that is? You remember him? You know, okay, yeah. That's where God took Moses to see the promised land. We do a little trivia for today, Pisgah. Well, but it's Mount Pisgah, where you can see all the area with God. So God let Moses see all that. And then the Bible says, Moses died. And so in Joshua chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Whoa. I'm sitting here, Lord, you just let us out of Egypt. I got these millions of people around here. Grumbling and ready to go, and you're telling us it's time to go conquer. And so when you begin to look there in Joshua, beginning about verse 5, it says something like this. It said, as God is speaking to Joshua and encouraging him, he says, no one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just like I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do all according to the law that Moses taught. My servant commanded you, do not turn from your right or to your left, but you may have good success wherever you go. And the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it all day and night. And be careful to do all according that is written. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. The verse I want us to key in today is verse 9 of chapter 1. It says this. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, I've used that as a servant's thing when we talk about graduates sometimes. And changing of the guards and things like that. And Joshua had been groomed for leadership all these years. 
Moses was 120 when he died. He's been around a long time. And Joshua's his right-hand man, and all of a sudden, the keys are his. It's your responsibility, my son. Be strong and courageous, God says. Do we get frightened and discouraged? Sure. But God is telling us, do not be frightened. Do not be discouraged. Even Joshua, who led the Israelites safely into the promised land, all those cool things that happen when you read the book of Joshua and following of all the wars and all, how the children of Israel came in and conquered all, and how God worked all those miracles around like the walls of Jericho falling down. You know all those stories. You may not dig it out and look. There's some really cool things that happen there. But God had to remind Joshua, fear not. Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be frightened. As God says that to Joshua, he says that to us today. What he fundamentally is saying to Joshua, he says to us, you are not alone and I am with you always. Okay, good. Old Testament, when that makes sense. Is there anything in the New Testament? Sure, there's all kinds of stuff in the New Testament. As I thought about Jesus and his disciples, we think about not being alone. In Matthew 28, the last words that Matthew records that Jesus said, that great commission, as we call it, very end of the last verse, he gives his disciples a very kind of final commencement, a final commission, if you will, an encouragement to go in the world. And, you know, you know it, verse 28, uh, 18 begins, and Jesus said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And how is it then? That's what I want us to be on today. The very tail end of verse 20 says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now think about it with me. How terrified must the disciples have been? What do you mean, Glenn? Well, uh, you're going to take the good news beginning here, literally around the world. You're going to teach all life commands. You're going to baptize them in the name of the Father. You're going to make disciples. You're going to mark disciples. You're going to mature the disciples. That's your job, Christians, disciples. How do they feel? They must have been terrified of sharing the good news without Jesus being around. The guy that had been there encouraged the guy that had sent them out, the guy that had backed them up, their encouragement was in their corner that they could go to when problems occurred, was now being lifted up to heaven. You ever thought of it in that way? How powerful it must have been to hear Jesus himself tell them these words. And behold, I am with you always. The very end of the age. Wow. That truth has not changed all these years. The end of the age has not happened yet. Uh, has it changed? Has it come? Jesus is alive and he is well. He is with us right now. He is resetting with us. God sent the Holy Spirit to walk beside us, to come alongside us, and live within us as Christians. Terribly, the one who comforts and guides. But for the disciples, that makes sense. Okay? Got you, Glenda. 
But that doesn't help me in my world today. Cool. That's neat about Bible fighters, I get you. But what about Jesus and you? What about Jesus and you? Well, think about this. Jesus was always honest with his disciples. Even when they didn't like the truth, or they couldn't understand it, or it was confusing in their head, or they, they saw it a different way than what Jesus was saying, we're going to look at one of those moments this morning in John chapter 16, and we're going to key in on verse 33. But verse 32 says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples as he's getting ready to go to the cross. This is not an old passage in John, John 14, let not your hearts be troubled, you believe in God. All those things, they're marching to the cross, and Jesus is teaching them in the last days and times he has them. So, so important are these words to them that they're going to carry them the rest of their lives on this earth. And he says to them, Behold, the hour is coming, and indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. You will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone. For the Father is with me. And then he goes on to say in verse 33, And I have said these things to you, that you may have peace. Look what he says in verse 33. In the world you will have tribulation, or troubles, or trials. But take heart and be courage. I have overcome you. You're going to get run over. Or you're going to, as we would say, tuck tail and run as a dog. Hide. But understand, there will come a time I have, you will know I have overcome the world. And you will have a peace that passes understanding. That's what that peace means there, by the way. After Jesus' arrest and eventual death, the disciples were scattered and went back to their own homes. He told them he, they'd leave him all alone, but the Father would be with him. Now think about it. The disciples did to Jesus exactly what he promised never to do to them or to us. Jesus will never leave us alone. Look at where you are, what's going on. You may think you're your heart just by yourself. Jesus is right there with you. Holding you up, lifting you up, walking with you. Whatever stage of life you're in, whatever mountaintop you're in, whatever grief you're in, whatever joy you're in, whatever sadness you're in, whatever emotional state you're in, Jesus is with you right now. Jesus told his disciples there would be tribulation in this life, the ESP says. Uh, the tribulation is in the Greek, you know, strong dictionary, described in several ways affliction, trouble, oppression, distress. Those are the same, we translate the same word. They don't want translation you're reading, you get those words, but you get the idea. It generally describes a pressure of pressing together. It's kind of like taking sawdust and glue and pushing it together and making fresh wood, right? And you think of making diamonds out of coal, that kind of pressure that causes change. And that's what that word means. It is pressure upon you from all sides, you feel just squeezed in. The life is squeezed out of you. That's the type of the word of tribulation he's talking about. Here. That, that's the context of the people that would have heard those words. Actually, they would have heard those words and understood that. But notice the next words. But take heart. 
Oroso in the Greek, by the way. It's found seven times, and every time it's spoken in the New Testament, it's only there seven times. Guess who speaks it? Jesus. Or he tells his disciples speak it once. Jesus tells them, uh, remember the guys that brought the leper, or the man who was lame, had to let him down through the roof? He tells the man to be let down through the roof on that take heart. So Jesus is going to Jairus' daughter, who's died, and all the crowds around him, he hollers, Who touched me? And the disciples look at him like, What idiot, who do you think? It's the crowd. And Jesus looks around and sees the moment with the issue of blood and drops to her knees and says, It's I. I knew if I could just touch the cloak, just tassel the whole sermon in that. But Jesus says, Take heart. Even the disciples, remember when Jesus has just fed the 5,000? Uh, he tells them, Get in the boat, go the other way, the other side. The Sea of Galilee, they're crossing the sea. It's about, actually, it's about midnight or better when they're out in the middle of the sea and the storm is brewing and they don't know if they're going to make it or not and they're terrified. And Jesus is already going up the mountain to pray. So, about three in the morning, they look out. They, these, are, these are seamen. They made their life as fishermen. They cannot, they, they're worried about their own life because they can't go anywhere. And they see this person walking on the water. They think it's a ghost. What does Jesus say? Take heart, it is I. Of course, that's where Peter says, If it's you, just call me out and I'll walk on water. And he did put his eyes on Jesus. So you get those pictures throughout the New Testament. If you look them all up, it says, Take heart. Even, he told Paul, even Take heart. You have to go before Caesar. Words of encouragement. He tells us to take heart. As Christians today. We can identify with that in some form or another when Jesus says, take heart. We're reminded of God's encouragement, even as he encouraged Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. When we face those fears in our life, take heart because I have overcome the world. No matter how difficult it gets, no matter what the odds are, we have a promise that is bigger from God than any giants that were in the promised land. We know that the creator of the universe is faithful to stand. He stands with us through every trial, through every season, through every affliction, through everything we go through in life. The mountaintops and the valleys, the joys and the sorrows, the fears and the peace. He's with us. We walk with a bit more confidence in our steps and boldness in the changes we make in our life. We trust Him and we let Him become the boss of our life. We trust Him as our Lord and Savior and we begin to follow Him. It's not the fear and anxiety and worry and doubt don't exist for they do. And remember, they have their proper place in the hands of God. So we need to keep on recognizing that unhealthy and healthy fear and put it in the proper perspective and deal with it appropriately. Let's not forget about tomorrow, but to look where he wants us to go today. And above all else, remember Jesus is with us every step of the way. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. My prayer is that you and I go confidently from this series of these practical tools we've talked about the last four weeks. A greater understanding of dealing with fears and its effects. So remember that healthy and unhealthy fear. And what to do with it, make the right choice. We take that unhealthy fear, and what do we do? We place it 
in the hands of God. In God's hands, we lay it before Him. And when we begin to do that, how often do we do that? How far in the future? Jesus reminds us take it one day at a time. Live one day at a time. We don't know about tomorrow, right? But most importantly, we don't do it tomorrow. Today we understood and we learned. In the world, you got tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I will never leave you or forsake you, Jesus tells us. We are not alone. I hope you realize these weeks that Jesus reminds each and every one of us to fear not. To go forth now and fear not.